reminded me of pictures that I saw as a kid about a mad slasher with a knife, a hatchet, and a machete. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to episode 236. This time around, you're hanging out with returning guest and good friend of the show, Matt Truix, marketing manager of Prop Store. Learn about the world of collecting incredibly rare and historic items used in the production of your favorite movies and TV shows. He lets you in on their latest entertainment memorabilia live auction at time of release happening over three days, June 29th, 30th, and July 1st, with over 1,300 lots up for grabs. Find out about the horror and genre iconography that you can own for yourself, including Freddy's glove from Dream Warriors, Jason's mask from Jason Goes to Hell, the original Scream mask, the filming miniature cabin from Evil Dead too and so much more plus everything there is to know about this fascinating hobby episode 236 with matt truix of prop store starts now go ahead scream that's all we need another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew autopsy okay joining the boo crew inside the speakeasy studio our very first in studio guest wow in over a year it's crazy <laughs> right? right leo's not yes. in beautiful downtown eagle rock I'm right now not a ghost he's right here in front of me man so yeah vaccinated and thrilled as we cautiously venture back into a new normal with the perfect person to kick that journey off. Yes. He is an author and blogger sharing his passion for pop culture in the DC universe at dailyknockoff.com. We will find he's an exceptional artist as well. He's an accomplished podcaster running Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman by day. He is the mild-mannered marketing manager of Prop Store, a company that through auctions and an online shopping experience connects you in a tangible way to your favorite TV shows and films by letting you take a piece of them home. At time of release, their entertainment memorabilia live auction takes place from June 29th to July 1st. Here to talk all about it is our good friend and returning guest to the show, Mr. Matt Truix. Thank you so much for having me. It is so nice to be back in person, guys. This is a thrill. This is incredible, man. That copy was great, too. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, I guess the first question that I have is how has the pandemic changed the auction experience and what you guys have done forever? Yeah. Yet to be known forever, but um, definitely less of a focus on the public displays and that type of thing. You know, like Comic-Con, who knows at Mm -hmm. this point? I think everyone's kind of in that, like, even studios are like, do do we need this anymore? You know, and in-person bidding is, is something that we're not doing this year, but also something we might look at again. So it's all just kind of still in flux. You know, I think we're all just happy that we can be at the office and somewhat unmasked when we do interviews like yeah. we can do yeah. this type of thing or have crews in or whatever so yeah it, so this auction is going to be all online and over the phone again like we did last year but i know we're hoping to have people back in the room again i know we're hoping to do some sort of displays in the future but it's just you know take it as it comes sure yeah what about like there, there has been some interesting innovations or different ways you guys do things in terms of there's now private viewings that you can do over zoom and also there's appraisal fairs where you'll come to the people who have the items right yeah yeah it's it's we've piloted it really last year during this auction 
last time of just like suddenly we need people to be able to see stuff. We can't have them in. Let's do these things over Zooms and we're carting pieces like to my apartment or whoever else is doing them so that we can do it safely. Uh, and we're doing a, a much more you know, thought out version of it this year where you can sign up for our certain Zoom days and, and see up to three pieces that you want to see and ask questions about. But we're also like constantly improving the live stream capabilities and stuff like that. So we're doing live stream previews every Friday right now, which, um, you know, it's it's all been a learning experience. So it's it's interesting to see how it evolves in that way, trying to get it out to people without being able to be in person as much. Yeah. I feel like that stuff would stay. Like if you're someone in like Germany and you want to look up yeah. at a prop up close and just, you know, if you have questions about it, it's something that would be really useful down the road. We we just did our first round of them for this auction, the uh, the previews, like you're saying um, yesterday. And the people I talked to were just so thrilled that it was an option. So it's definitely something that'll stick around. And we'd love to do in-person stuff again, too, you know, yeah. but... Yeah, like that's that's definitely a positive that came out of it. I don't think that was on anyone's radar before this, before the necessity of it. Yeah, yeah, really. That's what we find, too. The pandemic has, you know, as much as it's been devastating, has unlocked convenience and efficiency in the mm-hmm. way that certain people do things. So it's interesting to see. So we know that, you know, every time you do this, we ask you about the history of Prop Store. But for those who are new to this whole thing, who haven't heard your previous appearances, who don't sure. know what Prop Store is, take them on the spiel, walk them through a little bit about the history. Sure. Started by Stephen Lane, um, who was a collector in London, um, started Prop Store out there uh, with some connections to some of the studios, you know, Leavesden and that type of deal out there. Uh, and then oof, almost 10 years ago now, I think he tapped uh, Brandon Allinger, who is big in the prop collecting community already to start an office out here. And uh, Brandon's been running it ever since. And um, we started doing auctions, I guess, seven or eight years ago now. And it's been pretty much the focus of the company since then. But that said, we we still do retail sales. We have, you know, 10 to 20 new retail items on the site every day where you can just go and buy a prop or we'll do online auctions that are single title and just from one movie or TV show throughout the year. And then now twice a year, we do um, these live auctions that we're here to talk about today, which are the which are the big ones, which are kind of like the best of the best of the year, you know? Okay. Do you want to go over the terminology like hero, stun? Sure. I mean, yeah, match. when it comes to, to props and stuff in general, um, hero is either the functional one or the, you know, if it's applicable, the metal one, the, the, the one that's got some features to it. If it's going to be in a close up. Let's take like a gun, for instance, it is the hero gun where it can fire blanks and, you know, you can see them load the magazine or whatever they have to do on screen. The stunt is the rubber version that they're running around with every time that they don't have to have the gun in close up <laughs> right. so that they don't ruin the real one or hurt themselves pulling it out or that type of thing. What were your other terms? Oh, screen, screen, match. screen match. You know what's interesting yeah. is that someone had actually approached us saying, oh, it's screen match. That means it wasn't in the movie, right? No, 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 no. We oh, had to oh, kind of wow. explain. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Huh. yeah, no, I mean, screen matching, screen matching is gold. It is hard to do for some things, as I'm yeah. sure you guys are well aware. Very aware. Um, but it is when, you know, say you've got uh, Indiana Jones's hat, and for whatever reason, there's just that one little imperfection on the bow or the, the band around the rib or something, and you've got the piece, and you're looking at the pictures, and you find it in the movie. You find that perfect place where, like, hopefully two or three or more pieces align on the prop that you're looking at and the piece on screen. And you can go, 
no, who knows what he's wearing in the other scenes. But like right now, you know, in this desert shot or whatever, Harrison Ford has this hat on and that's that's screen matching. That's that's the fun stuff. That's uh, knowing that it was that it was there on screen because everything we sell generally, we say that it's from the production, that it's comes. It was made for the production, came directly from. But we can't screen match everything because it's so hard. We, we can just say that, you know, it was meant to be used, whereas there are a few pieces in this year's auction that are screen matched and are definites and that's just that's awesome to be able to say wow well with all the stuff that you guys get in on a regular basis is there a certain piece or kind of piece that you'd go through that process of let's see if we can screen match this i mean it's something definitely the big stuff will always look um i thought of the indiana jones fedora because we've got one right now from temple of doom and we couldn't screen match it which doesn't mean anything it's still authentic and it was still used for the production and it might have been on screen but that's just so hard because he's not always in close up with the hat or whatever, you know, like that yeah. type of thing. But then we've got we've got two rifles. We've got Sugar's Merida from Starship Troopers. And we've got uh, I think it's Vasquez's Yes, from Aliens. Um, oh, Aliens, yeah. that pulse rifle. Jeez, that's a big and gun. We've got a video coming out soon that just like literally just of arrows and screenshots of like, see, you know, like, <laughs> wow. that's that those marks are right there. And there's like a billion. Like, it's not even a question. I think there's even wow. isn't there even alien like xenomorph blood on it or something? Uh, or some yeah, sort of green? I forget if it's on the pulse rifle, but the green one, the um, the Starship Troopers one. Yeah, okay, okay, covered in blood. And we've got his um his armor and stuff from that scene too when he's covered in the green stuff but yes i mean like that stuff is so cool to me where it's just like this is the exact thing yeah Yeah. talk a little bit about how these things are obtained sure it's it's a little bit of everything we'll work with studios and we'll work with with effects guys or you know people that that wound up with things as gifts or whatnot so like a lot of the stuff that you'll see in this auction it's, it's 1300 lot auction. So there's a, there's a lot of variety in there, you know. Some of it's stuff that we've sold in the past and has come back to us from collectors that might be looking to, you know, up their collection or or spice things up a little bit and change it around. And then sometimes we're working directly with the studio for this auction for the first time ever Warner Brothers Archive has released an original Harry Potter wand and uh, original set of glasses like official from the archive with the COA from them directly. And we're thrilled to be involved with that in any way, you know, and yeah. all the proceeds from that are going to a charity that J.K. Rowling started called Lumos. So, like, that's that's a very specific example of a time where a studio will step in and be like, we want to do something right. You know, we want to give back a little bit and uh, we get a piece like that. But then sometimes we just get a call from a woman who's got Rocky's gloves in her basement from some charity auction for <laughs> kids a couple of years ago and do we want it and it's like yes we do in fact you know? <laughs> that is so wild yeah i mean the interesting thing about this hobby is 20 30 years ago most production materials props and costumes would find their home in a studio dumpster yeah right? yeah and there was no real intrinsic value to them and i always think there's a story that brandon allinger has told before <laughs> about Harrison Ford's he, uh, blaster from Blade Runner mm-hmm. that ended up being sold at a set parking lot sale, and which would usually happen that as soon as the movie was over. Sales, the studio yeah. just like, oh, set up something in the parking lot or whatever where they're working and sell everything. And this wow. guy bought the hero blaster for like 50 bucks <laughs> in the case that it was used in the movie. There's like one of one. It sells at an auction in 2012 for 250,000 bucks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow. Now, do you find that it's harder 
to convince studios to part with the stuff now that you know people like prop store have shown what can happen when you put them in collectors hands or has it become easier to deal directly with studios because they want to cash out on this I, stuff i will say i will say that they know what they have now yeah and there's the good side of that is that they will try to let some stuff out to auctions sometimes or you know decide um we did the the hill house and Blythe yeah. manor auction like that was a production that was like look we don't need these anymore we're not gonna you know it's an anthology series we're not gonna revisit hill house or blind manor anytime soon and people would enjoy it and we don't need to store it in that case you know so like that that's a great example where studios understand really the benefit of of putting this stuff out to auction and others know that their archive is now an asset and they prioritize it and like that's also a great thing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of both. They, they understand all aspects of it now. And, uh, and at least they're not throwing it out in the dumpster, you know, like whatever they're doing with it, there's considered and hopefully in, in the benefit of, of the items. Yeah. Since we last spoke to you last year, has there been like an uptick in a specific interest, say horror versus sci-fi versus golden you know era age uh, movies like has there been a trend where people are interested in more props in one yeah i don't know that i can say that I, I i can just say that like the trend in collecting especially recently i mean like look at the nft market and stuff like that like it's just insane yeah. right now mm-hmm. and it's it's continuing with us like we were so worried I think I spoke about this last time, even like when we did our first auction from quarantine from our ho- houses, it was just like, houses like, no one wants to spend money right now. And then it did really well. And we're like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> we're going to be okay. I think people are looking for that comfort still, but I can't, I can't say that it's whether it's like, you know, a specific genre right. or whatever is exploding right now. But. Since, since you mentioned uh, NFT, that was my weird question for so, you yeah. because that's kind of like the hot thing right now. That's, you know, uh-huh. either going to be the future or not, we, you know, we're not sure, but I've been really curious if that has crossed over into your world yet, or if there's any interest in like what you're doing, where let's say you have a prop, like maybe Thor's hammer from you mm-hmm. know one of the Thor movies. And you say, well, we can make this an NFT so that now it's not just a, an actual prop, but, now it's an NFT or somebody can own both and like display it online in some online gallery. So you've virtual. Been my emails is the thing. We don't have any in this auction, but it, it's been a conversation, you know, like um, studios are also trying to kind of understand what assets they can make into an NFT and, and where the value is in that. Like, I don't think it's a situation where we could ever, you know, if we had a Thor's hammer or something like that, because right. we don't know the licensing of it, but if we worked with Marvel and they wanted to license an NFT scan of Thor's hammer or whatever, like that's a different story. So it's, it's an ongoing discussion. It's still such a new right. market that that's exploding. Like I, I have no doubt that prop store will get into some sort of NFT situation, you know, within the next couple of years, but, but it's, it's an ongoing discussion. Didn't sure. we yeah. see something like that? It was the Beetlejuice. Remember the what? Beetlejuice thing yeah, he stands yeah, in yeah. front of? the strip club or whatever yeah yeah yeah. it's like red dante's or yeah someone had digital what i swear it was the prop the actual miniature building and someone made a digital scan like a 3d scan as an nft 
I just don't remember who the hell like it was. That type of thing. That's but that's, what I could see yeah. Yeah, showing up in one of our auctions at some point. That's but, so interesting. Yeah, we'll oh my yeah. gosh. See, the actual prop would sell for, you know, 10000 but the NFT would sell for $80 million. <laughs> Right? <laughs> so I'll never understand yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I know no one can predict the future, but where do you think prop collecting will be in like five to ten years? I like to think it'll be a little more mainstream. Like, I, I and I, so, part of me... The hopes not to say that because like you guys are so good at finding this stuff and, like, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. good for you that it's a little more yeah. underground still you know but i i think look like the, the fine art collecting might not be something that everybody talks about but like everyone's aware of it but when when you walk into like your house and you see harry potter and voldemort right there all of a sudden like that is that is a type of fine art that that permeates into culture so so directly that as things keep going and as as like pop culture gets more everywhere like it is now like i can't see that this hobby stays in the shadows forever you know like this will be bigger i think from personal experience Mm -hmm. and you know i mentioned at the top outside so lauren and i got into this hobby not too long ago and one piece that i've always had my eye on was this puppet from karen kusama and diablo cody's jennifer's body from 2009 to one of my all-time favorite films so i became aware of its existence through prop store and it went away and you were able to track it down for me and i thank you so much for that and it was obviously lauren for for putting you on that on that task she did all this as a surprise for me. So on Christmas morning, I opened this box up and saw what it was. And there's video footage of this <laughs> that I've not let her release because she's like, I'm going to set this to Madison. I was like, you can't because I started sobbing uncontrollably. Literally. Literally. Yeah. In footy pajamas. In with footy hearts. pajamas with hearts. Sobbing. And so I, I got overwhelmed, right? And and it's a part of what is so awesome about this hobby. There's this tangible attachment to something that is completely intangible, mm-hmm. right? It's almost as far as you can go as a fan to own a part of a piece of the production itself beyond a limited edition DVD or something you can buy in a store, something that might be rare even. When you're holding something like that, I was actually used, this particular puppet was used in some scenes and, and was a part of the mechanics of bringing the demon Jennifer played by Megan Fox to life in the film. And to have that in your hands and think that this is maybe one of one or, you know, in, in terms of costumes, only a handful might have survived, even if they made a, a couple. Once you experience that, it's kind of like a drug. Yep. And it's the only real way I can describe it. And then you go on to become a protector of that stuff and you Mm -hmm. seek and search. Well, how else can I build on that experience? And what else can I accumulate from to get that feeling again? And that's, you know, that's how I equate it to. And that's what is so thrilling about the hobby. And I think just as you said, as more people discover what that is like, this is going to sound so college. I'm sorry, but like, it's a bit of, it's one of the only ways that you can kind of close that loop in the parasocial relationship that we all have with like these characters we love where we're, we're, you're never going to meet Buffy the vampire slayer. She doesn't exist, but her steak does or her dress does or whatever it is, you know, like, and it's that same, that same thing. And that same thrill we get where I don't think fetishizing is the right word, but we're watching these things and we're loving these characters so much and they're connecting with us. 
and the pieces of their world are too and to have have those pieces around you obviously you guys understand very well (laughs) how cool that is and and how how enticing it is to kind of bring those little worlds that don't exist to life for yourself yeah that said in the past five or six years we've seen a bit of auction fever right where in your entertainment memorabilia live auction last year tom cruise's top gun helmet for instance Mm -hmm. $260,000, right? Or Van Eaton, a Disneyland auction house. It's it's crazy, right? Sells off Richard Kraft's complete entire collection of Disney memorabilia, stuff used from the theme parks, park ride vehicles, all this stuff. Trash cans were selling Mm -hmm. for thousands. Like 30,000. That's one of those examples, just to talk about a competitor for a second. Where they had this huge display. You guys probably mm-hmm. went. Oh, like, yeah. They rented out what was a Joanne Fabrics or something like yeah, that. Yeah, big or warehouse store. Yeah. And, and just filled it with all those items. And like, you know, I didn't bid on anything in that auction. But that was such a thrill to go and see all that stuff as like a Disney nerd. You know, like that's the type of thing where I her- hope COVID hasn't ended that completely. Because there's still part of this that that should be about sharing even though you're not going to be the bitter you're not going to walk home with that trash can or whatever you know yeah, the tiki right. room bird or whatever it is that was such a thrilling auction to, to see uh, go off like that after that auction we went to disneyland and i literally like tallied how many trash cans i could find like how many <laughs> millions of dollars <laughs> trash, cans. trash cans there were you know, you know it's so much cheaper to just make the fake uniform like an employee right yeah. walk in and say i'm taking this for right. me <laughs> We're reskinning these. He's got to right. go. I got to paint this. Well, yeah, this is going to be Avengers trash can. So I, uh, yeah, right. The this. question that it kind of had attached to that was, do you think the bubble has burst on the hobby when it comes to auctions? Is it now reserved for Bitcoin billionaires? <laughs> um, I, I don't think so. I mean, the goal with this auction, frankly, it's the first time we've done a three-day auction like this. It's also the first time that we haven't done something, sounds silly maybe, but like, strictly alphabetical order the first day of the auction is the big ticket stuff is the indie hats is the darth vader helmets it's the the harry potter wand you know like that type of thing and then the rest of the auction is whatever slightly slightly lower priced so that people have a chance at it you know like i i truly think that if if you've got somewhat of a budget and you've got like this special movie that you need something from you can find it in an auction like this so like i really hope that it hasn't turned people off it because like how how are people going to get into it still Mm -hmm. you know like you've got to have those gateway experiences that's why we still have the retail side of of prop store too like you want to get an invictus flag you know go ahead you want to get a newspaper from some movie great and that'll be kind of like the first, that first little hit of the <laughs> first drug. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And those deals are still yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. we've seen them. Like the last prop store auction, we got a Haunted Mansion, Rick Baker skeleton, and it went for opening bid. And we couldn't even right. believe it. So it's like, you always got to watch because you never know. Things can just like fly under the radar. Especially like yourselves knowing some people are going to look at that and go like, that Eddie Murphy movie right. everyone hated. Yeah. I love Who that movie. Who gives a damn? But I do. Hey, okay, cool. No problem. <laughs> Not throwing shade. But also, like, you're going to look at that and go, like, no, that's rick baker like that is yeah. a piece of rick baker who right. figured it out and maybe it's not the grinch or some grand thing but like he figured out how to make extras look like zombies and do it convincingly and that's really impressive and it's really well made and let's go for it you know yeah. so like it, it's still it'll always pay to be educated in this world you know the boo crew will be right 
back. What awaits you in the house of seven corpses is more than a fear you can't explain. A fate you can't prevent. A death you can't escape. The House of Seven Corpses holds a deadly secret. You must see it to believe it. There are eight graves, seven bodies, one killer, and he's already dead. International Amusement Corporation presents The House of Seven Corpses. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Death waits in the house of seven corpses. I want to thank you for hosting this auction here. I think it's specifically for me. <laughs> I always talk about this because I the London one, it's just too confusing with the pound. It's a time zone nightmare. Yeah, too. and I'm like, Are oh. you going to vat? You got to vat, sure. Yeah, yeah I'm just like, wait, what lot are they on? It's four. I was like, how many? I like, I do the math. Like, how many have they done in an hour? Okay, they've done like 56 in an hour. You know, they're at 200. I want something at 290. Like, when is that going to be? Maybe an hour and then I go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> but I like I don't really sleep. It's like really bad sleep because like I'm sleep always with one like, eye open. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm always like checking. Wait, oh, they're moving faster. Yeah, Wait. we skipped all of P. We're going yeah. right to O. Oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to thank you. And so it's three days. Is that three because days. you guys have so much stuff? It's that, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah thirteen hundred lots. Like we like at most you can do somewhere in the 400s in an auction day i think we did five once and we we're all just like please never again so that's that's yeah it was just so much material that it was the first time we've done it and we're not sure if we'll do it again like it's, it's totally up in the air but we're excited to be kind of like the pilot program for it you know right now wow why yeah. do you think there were so many lot like so many people have wanted to sell their stuff that you have three days worth of stuff i i think it's it i mean we always have if we could or in the past if we wanted to we always probably could have done something like this it's not it's not really a question of that it's more of like seeing the collecting market right now and seeing that people are really into it and obviously like nostalgia is a drug that everyone's taking whether you buy props or not so like let let's try to capitalize on that and now just felt like the time the world's coming back to normal a little bit people want to enjoy stuff more enjoy what they love and for collectors it's it's setting an alarm and waking up at four in the morning <laughs> to bid on whatever you know i'm thinking of taking all three days off this this year it's so distracting right when it's on it's all you want to do is watch because they're just fun to watch yeah even if you don't buy anything it's just fun to watch and yeah. see what's out there and what people will pay for stuff or you get two people who want one thing and it just shoots the price to god knows where that's the fun stuff. It's like, yeah. obviously i hope everyone listening that wants to bid gets something but like it is so fun to see people just like <laughs> are you sure you want to b- okay all right oh he's coming back already okay you know, like the, the fireworks that keep going on. Lots that you don't really suspect. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun part. yeah. Our kids even get into it. Like, yeah, we'll put it on. I'll put it on the TV and they're just like, oh, my gosh, 
this person's fighting with this person and they just went up $50,000. Like, oh my gosh. And then they're like, what even is it? I don't know. It's really cute. I, I love too when like, you know, sometimes we'll get, we'll get bettors that are just like in there for every lot for sorry. Like it feels like it, right. You know, so you see like one, one, two, threes back again. Like, oh, everybody back up. You know, like yeah, they yeah, really yeah, want yeah, it. You know, yeah. right. We got this big, beautiful catalog that you're so kind to bring in today. So there's some pieces on the front. You mentioned the Harry Potter wand and glasses. What else is on the very front of that? We've got a couple of cool things. We've got um, Kane Hodder signed Jason mask from um, the final Friday from Jason goes to hell, which I think is very cool. That's from the collection of uh, Tom Bellissimo, who was the effects guy on that film. Wow. And he was there on set when they put a billion squibs on Jason, you know, and yeah. blew him to hell at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> That was what this mask is from, is from that that moment where he's just getting ripped apart in the beginning of the movie. And uh, it's autographed on the front, is that true? autographed on the front, yeah. I think that's kind of cool. That frankly. is cool. There's a few pieces um, that Bellissimo consigned specifically that have autographs on it. There's a very reluctant Jim Carrey autograph, the Mask <laughs> of Loki from The Mask. That reluctant? <laughs> it's, it's like, if you know The Mask of Loki, The Mask from The Mask, yeah. it's got like this kind of metal ridge in the middle of it, right. and it's too Tom- now leave me alone, Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. the story is like, he didn't want to do it. He complimented the effects team at the right time. And Tom's like, all right, you really like us? You know, like, you signed. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and he just did that's not want awesome. to do it. And I'm like, that's, that's great. You get a reluctant Jim Carrey joke like, yeah. baked yeah. into this thing, you know? Uh, the other thing on this cover, which I love, is a um, working R2 droid from Rise of Skywalker. Oh, wow. Now, to say from Rise of Skywalker is a little bit of a misnomer. It, this is R2 SHP, so we've been calling him ship. It was made by a fan. It was made by someone in the R2 builders groups or, or one of those groups online that have figured out the mechanics of making the perfect R2-D2. And now Lucasfilm is contracting these people to get their droids in the film so that they have to make less of them. You know, so they've been doing this since <laughs> the first J.J. Wow. Abrams movie. Really? And even I think if I'm correct, like went to some of those R2 hobby builders for the prequel movies of like how to perfect that. But now they are just taking them from these builders garages or whatever and putting them right into the movie. They did the same thing kind of with the Mandalorian with the, the stormtroopers that showed up and they had the 501st guys come in and we've sold some of the stormtrooper costumes from that because they were homemade costumes that are now canon because they wow. were you know used on screen for star wars but this little r2 is fully functional and like we had some press in the other day and i got to pilot him around i'm like this uh, this is so cool you know? that is awesome so it's fully functional, fully I functional. like i find myself like i'm trying to act with his little head going back yeah. so like, cute. it's cool it's really fun what's the estimate i might if i may ask on the r2 that is eighty to one hundred twenty thousand dollars estimate. So we'll see what that goes for. But that it's still hour. cheaper than building your own, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> wow! And then so Tom Bellissimo, you had mentioned, brought that Jason goes to hell mask mm -hmm. to existence for us. There's another piece that he did, which is very interesting: the reverse bear trap from Saw. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. The most iconic prop in that entire series, I would argue. Yeah. So again, that's that's one of what he brought to this auction that you'd be able to uh, purchase. And was that thing made of metal? Have you been able to it, handle yeah, it at all? Yeah, it's it's in our display right now. We had him in. Uh, we'll be posting videos at some oh, point cool. of him talking about that one specifically. But it's it's very cool. That movie, you know, was done on 
some stupid budget of like three million or seven, yes, like some yeah, really, low. really low yeah. budget movie. So technically, that prop he made and then rented it to the movie, sure. so he got to keep it. But it's it's all metal pieces, and like he he went through of like oh, I found this gear here and whatever. It's all like really found object stuff. The thing that annoyed him, which I love because it's <laughs> what like makes it saw to me, is that. It was cool, like it was metal and aluminum or whatever. And then they're like, "Okay, great. Now it's got to look rusty." So like, weather the hell out of it and paint all over it. And that's how it looks now, like it did in the movie. Right. But he's still just like. And then I built one for myself because I just wanted to see it clean again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it has it had functionality. Excuse me. Um, theoretically, I think it still does. But they had to uh, hook it up to like a hose to make the the shot when like it hits the ground and the the thing opens like right when she gets it off in time you know so it is it is the one that they use in the movie and like he was as delighted as anyone could be when he found out it was going to be on the poster you know for the movie but it's it's the one and it's it's this big metal angry looking thing when you pick it up it's cool and then I noticed Freddy's glove from almost everyone's favorite Elm Street movie, Part Three, Dream Warriors. Warriors. Estimate fifteen to twenty thousand on that one. So, have you guys handled many Freddy gloves in the past? We have, yeah. I, I, I don't know about many, but we've definitely had some in the past. I think this is the first time we've had like a real Jason mask. Right. But we, we've seen Freddy gloves uh, in the past. I think London had one a couple years ago. Yeah. And what's the mechanic? What are they made out of? This glove in particular? Is it metal blades? Is yeah. it actual metal blades? I haven't seen this one, but I, I saw the past one and it is it is metal blade on like a leather glove. It's wow. it's pretty it's exactly what you want it to be. You yeah. Know? <laughs> We've got a pair of aluminum Wolverine claws in this auction too. Oh. And sometimes the stunts are a little wonky and you know bent from however they were stored or you know, they're made of rubber, that type of thing. But like these are like metal, could cut somebody claws and it's the same type of deal of just like no this is exactly what i want it to be like the saw thing i want <laughs> right. this to be heavy yeah and i want to cut myself a little bit when i open it you know like that type of thing well one of the cool things that you mentioned those wolverine claws mm-hmm. one of the other great things about this hobby is being able to get these things that you see on screen and being able to see how they work yes. from an angle that you normally wouldn't right. the wolverine claws in particular you can see how he made it so they look like they were coming out of his it's knuckles. The simplest right. cheat in the world, but it's like the three claws attached by metal to like just a little pad that essentially that he palms. And when he palms it just right, the metal just like goes up against his knuckles or between his knuckles, I should say. And it looks perfect. And like I, I still just love that when you see <laughs> right. Hugh Jackman in the scene, he's making fists. He's like, it's not angry. He's holding on to his yeah, prop. Yeah, he's like, holding on to the claws. Yeah. That's great. Right. You know, one of my favorite things is the Evil Dead cabin. Oh my God. I can't even it's believe that huge. exists. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's another one where like, how did the, I don't know the story of where that came from. But okay. like, amazing that that's still yeah the, the cabin from Evil Dead Two full big you know model miniature mm-hmm. and as you said it's huge it's, like it's kind of miniature big. it's about the size of this table we could probably look it up but yeah. it's it's sizable it's two people to carry it big wow yeah. so wow. what would like a, a miniature like that what would that have been made for overhead shots or yeah probably or, or I, I don't know if they had. I can't remember if they had any effects or anything that they had to do on that where with smoke or water. Or sure. Like sure. That. Yeah. But I mean like the, the bigger you make a miniature, the better it is to kind of like scale up effects and fire and that type of thing. Or if you want to get a bit of a night sky, it's a little harder when it's a you know little piece. But if you, 
put a bigger one just right it it looks pretty good so yeah i don't know i don't know specifically what shots they were used for that but yeah that's generally the theory well, yeah. it's fascinating that yeah. it exists other yeah. other iconic things that i noticed is the ghost face mask from scream from the first one <laughs> that's, that's, wow. that's what blows my mind yeah wow there are some gremlins in there from gremlins to the new batch mm-hmm. tony todd's hook from Candyman, uh-huh. and then from dust till dawn one of my favorites in 96 <laughs> sex machines cod piece revolver have you <laughs> put eyes on that is that thing functional because in the it movie is. it's like spring-loaded it, it's so it's not that it's hooked up to a base right now that's got a little like trick it looks like a like a nutcracker uh, <laughs> like a little, little trigger on it that just makes it go from flaccid to erect very quickly and that's that's the functionality it has that's awesome um, that's also that's a consignment funny. from uh tom bellissimo that that he had built that and they had rigged it up so that it could you know fire that one shot in the movie but, oh that is uh, so wow. cool so do, is that something you guys do on the regular whereas Tom Savini wore that piece. Obviously, it was made by Tom Bellissimo, mm-hmm. but you consulted with the, you know, sometimes did you consult with the people who made it, who didn't consign it, you know, and just if, reach out and ask you questions. Can, like, you know, um, uh, Brandon and Steven have connections with a lot of people now from from cold calling and asking around whether they have stuff and that type of thing. And they're, they're very much in that world. So if if you know a guy from whatever movie and might be able to help you. If not authenticated, if that's not the question, then figure out how best to use it or that type of thing. Then, yeah, that's that's always something that we'll try to do. Right. Yeah. Have you ever had to, you know, without giving specifics, have you ever had, ever had to pull anything out of an auction? Has a studio ever seen something that shouldn't have been out in the wild and said, wait a second, that's our property. We didn't know it existed. We kind of want it back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's sometimes where we'll we'll concede and, and give in and that type of thing. Just to tell a tale out of school. Yeah. Here. We, did, we did the auction with Rick Baker. Yes. And uh, he's he's very well known, not, not just for creatures, but for doing gorilla effects. He did gorillas in the mist and um, Greystoke, the Tarzan movie. And then the, the Disney um, Mighty Joe Young remake from right. the 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we had a bunch of these big ape Mighty Joe Young pieces in the auction. And we're promoting it, you know, for months or a month or whatever. And the day before the auction... He gets a letter from Disney of that's our property <gasps> and you have to give it back. And without missing a beat, Rick Baker goes, OK, so this is what the storage fee was for the past 20 years. What's <laughs> in my basement on all these pieces. And they backed off. And oh, I, my gosh. Yeah. You know, we're seeing this all unfold in emails. Yeah. It's just like. That's a move. That's a man that's that been in this good. industry. Yes, right. And yeah. is wow. retiring and doesn't care. And that's yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. But like, how would that work? So if someone was consigning it to have it sold and then whatever company, so they would take it from that person? I don't know. At the very least, we would remove it from the auction. Just, okay. Especially, you know, like if it if it's a studio that we want to be working with, you know, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. don't want to step on our stores and that type of thing. So it, it really, it depends on a case by case thing. Sometimes even actors that worked on their TV show or whatever mm-hmm. saw that a piece went out and they're like, no, that was supposed to be mine or whatever. And it's just like, okay, but bring some receipts for that. You know, like yeah. what, what's the proof? And sometimes, frankly, the studios have the proof that, no, this was made for us this was on contract this never should have left the ark whatever it is and you kind of got to kind of go with it you know yeah i get that i was curious you know uh, we were at uh, was it script the screen museum at the warner brothers yes. lives yep. here uh, exhibit a few years ago uh, yeah and we saw some some of these exhibits and the guy that was showing us around was telling us how 
some of these items, I believe it was from the movie Gremlins, that they had to be stored in the refrigerator. Oh, yeah, that's Remember? right. Yeah. yeah. Some of them had to they be refrigerated. Yeah, I'm really curious, when somebody buys something like that, that's made out of, you know, silicon or, um, you know, something that's yeah. f- fragile and possibly breaking apart foam because whatever, of you know, yeah. foam, yeah. Do you, do you uh, pass on the advice as to how to care for it and store it? or? Um, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're always, you know, there and... and accessible to people if they have questions about that stuff we're always happy to help you know like with that type of thing like like a gremlin for instance the best thing you can do in in a piece like that is seal it and make sure that it's not gonna deteriorate any further silicone's a little bit trickier because it's like part of it is having the moisture in it that makes it still good you know so it really depends um but we've had people reach out and and if we can't answer the questions we try to get them in touch with someone like a tom spina or someone that that you know deals in this stuff all the time and knows exactly what it's going to take to store this thing in the in the right temperature or right environment to keep it going you know to you what what is the star piece of the auction okay some kids wanted like playsets or whatever yeah. i wanted a jim beam decanter so i could paint a genie bottle like i i loved i dream of genie so much as a kid and it's one of those first things that like that those things on screen that you fetishize right and you just want and that's the piece of the world wow. that you want to have with you and we've got one in this auction oh, and wow. it blows my mind and as an eight-year-old kid i could tell you what year the holiday, uh, the Christmas decanter came out that they used in I Dream of Genie to make the <laughs> bottles and whatnot. And, and I'm looking at the thing and I turn it upside down and not only does it have the Jim Beam maker's mark, because that's what all those bottles were made out of, it's just all Jim Beam bottles that the prop guy liked the look of. But there's there's a hole cut into the bottom of this glass bottle so that they could blow the smoke out for when Genie comes in and out of the bottle, you know? And I'm just like, <sighs> so- this is this is everything to me like that's the coolest thing in the world yeah. and it still looks beautiful but it's got just enough discoloration on it that it feels like you want it to like it feels like it's been around for right. a billion years since that show you know yeah. so I, I just that that blows my mind you're, you're smiling at me because i've got a big stupid uh, that's awesome that's I awesome like, i mean i know yeah, exactly what, what that feels like yep. right have you been able to i mean work in a prop store do you get to go in and kind of you said you get to hold and have that thing in front of you. Has it ever gotten so bad where you end up? Hey, I need to own this. I need to. I need to cost some. Never, cast some bids never on something it. I didn't. I didn't know was coming. The the one holy grail piece I have. I can't really talk about this. It's from a um a Batman spinoff series that didn't last at all called Birds of Prey. Yeah. Yes. And I I was the perfect age when that show came out to get instantly hooked and then heartbroken when it was canceled like two months later. (laughs) And um, like three years into into prop store, I got up the nerve to ask Brandon, like, have you ever seen this battering from this Birds of Prey show? And through a connection of his knew a guy, knew a guy, knew a guy who is the prop master. And one day, like on a Sunday, I get an email from Brandon. He's like, this look right. And it's the prop guy's holding up this batarang from the oh, show. And I'm like, yes. I, like I stopped. That was, I remember which girlfriend's apartment I was in. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and was like, oh my God. And that was, that was the beginning and end of my like big prop collection. But that was just like, that's my hero piece. I'll, I'll be buried with that. Thing. That's odd. Do you have nice. it framed or how do you have it set it's, up? It's on a, it's on a stand next to my desk yeah. next to a, a signed picture of me with the cast. And like that's, Oh, wow. that's so that's great. Cool. Well, for people listening before we started the show, we start, we talked about how Trevor remembers where we are when we get like every piece. Like if we bought something or won an auction, like he'll be like, we were in this parking lot 
Seems to be like every parking lot. It's always a parking lot. Usually a parking lot. I don't know what usually happens about when this stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, it's usually when I take time to like email people or look and see what's it, you know, check out Prop Store on my phone or whatever you're inside, you know, picking up food or whatever. See, you listening, (laughs) this is the joy you can have. You don't have to be a Bitcoin billionaire to, again, get into the hobby, as, as Matt was saying. You will find deals out there. And another thing Prop Store does, which I love, is the payment plan. That can that can get you in that can get you in the door and in very trouble. Yeah, and in some trouble. It's a slippery slope. But yeah, yeah, that was an amazing day, and I really hope it comes soon. (laughs) I'm waiting. That's that's awesome. I'm waiting for the. That said, on the flip side, is there something that you know in that catalog has the highest estimate? Of all the items in that catalog. Yeah, that's going to be the Indiana Jones fedora. Mm-hmm. That's uh, wow. that's the biggie this year. Is um, I mean, the most expensive piece, and please don't ask me to just remember what the actual number was, but the most expensive piece we ever sold was um, Indiana Jones's fedora from Raiders in um, one of the London oh, auctions wow. a couple years ago. Uh, and that was in the 200, 300,000 range. This one is estimated. It's it's not from Raiders. It's from Temple. But it's estimated at uh, 150 to 200. Fifty thousand dollars. So wow. that'll that'll be the that'll be the Tom Cruise helmet this year. Yeah, like, yeah, and it's got like, but the, yeah. I, it's got some interesting tells in it. As far as I, yeah, it's um, I forget the name of the maker, but it's it's this maker that was contracted to do it and did it for the original three films, I believe. Um, it's got the right beaver pelt lining and or like um, construction and whatnot. And then on the inside band, it's got the maker's mark. It's got dates inside the lining, like kind of secret. Date if you want to open up the lining a little bit and see that it matches to when the production of that film would have been going on. And it's like the cool thing is it, it's got initials in it. And some pieces like that will have initials for the actor or whatever. But this has initials for the character. It's got IJ on it. And it's oh, just wow. like that's so cool. That's so yeah. much cooler than <laughs> HF to me. You know, yeah. like, it really is. Um, we have a we have a Tony Stark suit in the auction that is also, you know, tailored for mr tony stark on the inside and like that's that's really cool you know it's a little bit more of the world for you oh i love it so i mean as we come to the end here unless you have you have any more questions that you want to ask about anything in particular well you know i did notice that there is this nightmare on elm street for skeleton which i will not be bidding on but it seems pretty cool. I have a really big fear of Nightmare on the Street, so <laughs> I will stay away from it. But I'm also in love with the Saw Broken Hacksaw. Mm-hmm. That is just amazing. And there is some Bram Stoker's Dracula stuff. Yeah, lots of yeah, lots of horror. Always see how much horror. we got from that this year. But that's that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah a couple aliens, alien and aliens pieces. Mm-hmm. Predator, the top of my head. Yeah, nice Predator mask. Yeah, God, yeah. so many great things. So, um, I mean, did you? I, I'd be remiss to talk about my other favorite thing. Have you seen the Carrie Fisher script? I've seen that. Yes, and oh it's actually God. got notations that she. It is her bound script from production of Empire. And like a third of the pages have handwritten notes in there. And sometimes it sometimes she's like crossing out, you know, dialogue and writing in her own. Sometimes she's just like underlying like Leia size and she'll like underline that five times or whatever. And then sometimes she comes up with the catchphrase like she wrote in the Han Solo never tell me the odds line after C-3PO tells them about <laughs> surviving the asteroid field and just like. That's a script doctor, right? Like, yeah. like that's amazing that she's just reading through that and comes up with that real quick. But like that. 
that's you, so history to me. Yeah. You know, like, that blows my mind. Maybe that whole I love you. I know <laughs> that that's different in there, but she had suggestions too. But then like, I think that was an improv ultimately on screen where like, yes, right. Or yeah, something like, yeah. I, I'm half remembering the story now that you say it, but <laughs> yeah, it, she, she doesn't get that one quite right. But wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Cool. Okay. So tell everybody how they can wait, take wait, part. Wait. Oh, wait, Ooh. I got one okay, more. Thing. One more. One more. So, uh, can, I know you're busy right now, right? With all this, uh-huh. but can we talk about like a prop store app? Oh, oh, sure. I would love to have one. That would be cool. Yeah. And you can like bid on the app and like you can save things and, you know, favorite things. I really want a prop store app. I can tell you that there's innovation in the works and I'll leave it there. It's not an app specifically, okay. but, but that, you know, things, things are, things are moving Towards the direction that I think you'll be happy. I'm gonna need a Jeff Bezos involved. The <laughs> yeah, really. Amazon <laughs> <laughs> Web Server. Service. We're gonna need his, one of his warehouses in a second. But that's <laughs> a couple more thirteen hundred lot auctions, you know. <laughs> right. So yeah. So how can people take part in this yeah. magic? Uh, you can either start bidding or just like snoop around and see the whole catalog right now at propstore.com/slash/live-auction. Everything's up there. Um, if you're interested in bidding, then register and like feel free to sign up for one of the zooms and myself or someone else in the office will be sitting there like giving you show and tell of the items that you want to see and that type of deal and then on on the dates you know uh, starting june 29th check out the live stream you don't have to be registered you can just log on and kind of watch this weird show that we put on from our office uh, with someone behind behind this podium uh, with a gavel and selling it off it's just it's fun to see it go you know that's awesome nice. and then over the next little while on youtube are you going to have other different experiences where you said like people will come in and talk about some of the items yeah and we're doing like live that. streams every friday i'm hosting this one's this week where we're featuring some like family fun family film stuff it's an excuse for me to talk about the genie bottle and harry potter stuff so. there you go yeah <laughs> uh, that'll be fun and we've got a star wars one coming up too um and then yeah uh we've got videos that'll be dropping as we go sometimes um yeah, frankly, Brandon is incredibly knowledgeable on all this stuff, and we just point a camera at him and go like, "Tell us about the hat," and he just spews, goes, yeah. you know, like, and it's it's and because he's just knowledgeable on it, it's really interesting. So those videos will start coming out soon. I think the first one's going to be the Carrie Fisher script. So oh, that's uh, awesome! Nice. I really look forward to all that, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. Yes, for hanging with us is always a you. pleasure, yeah. and we look forward to this auction. Oh man. my gosh, we so do. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Christmas. <laughs> cool. If Thank we spend any more, if we spend any more, there ain't gonna be no Christmas this year. <laughs> right. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode two thirty six. Special thanks to our guest Matt Truix, marketing manager of Prop Store. The time of release: their three day entertainment memorabilia live auction happens June 29th, thirtieth, and July first. Register to bid at PropStore.com and follow Prop underscore Store on Instagram. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shan. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. 
a bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.